The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. They are sponsors. Thank you very much. Our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor are sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. Subscribe to the Reader for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Ben Jarofsky has a weekly column. And I think this is like a Friday thing. Ben, what, what can people expect for your column to come out uh, in this weekend? Well, I'd... Um have absolutely no idea what I'm going to write for next week. Um, but I just wrote one about Johnny Cat and Sarah. Oh. Uh, the head of the fraternal order of police. Had, you and every uh, other publication, huh? Yeah. It's a, good, <laughs> it's a good looking guy. By the way, I'm mentioning him in today's opening. Uh, that's called a tease. D&T's. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so, yeah, I have some fun with Johnny Cat and Sarah. You know, I've become um, quite adept uh, at. Uh, annotating and analyzing the apologies that Republicans and MAGA supporters are forced to offer up from time to time when they just go too far uh, to analyze Mary Miller. Well, that's another tease. She'll be in the opening as well. Full of teases. Uh, and uh, Johnny Canizera, I analyze his, his comments uh, where he was minimizing the impact of the insurrection, even though, um, well, led to the death of one police officer. And so he's, you know, he backtracked a little bit, a little bit. More of that maybe. coming up on the Ben Jarofsky show. But right now, Ben, you have a song of the day. Okay. Frank, thank you very much. Uh, Aretha Franklin, I Won't Be Long. I Won't Be Long? Oh, wait, Won't Be Long by Aretha Franklin. Not I, just Won't Be Long. You don't know, I don't know that song, but can I sing another Aretha song? I mean, how about if I sing "Call Me"? Baby, won't you call me the moment you get there? Now, Dennis, you go. Will you do that for me? Say, will you do that for me? Will you do say, that for me? Yeah, call me, call me the moment, call me the minute, call me the second, call me, call me, call me, call me. <laughs> Is that good enough? <laughs> uh, I liked it. I, I you know. <laughs> I liked it, but you know what? We really made it with you coming in right on cue. Call me the moment. Call me the minute. Call me, call me, call me. Call- Please stop. The Ben Jarowski Show starts now. <laughs> It is Friday, January 22nd, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Romana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor, Romana Hussein. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this MAGA Top 10 Friday, and here's why. Great column in today's Tribune by Eric Zorn. It's about Brian Erlocker playing Trump. And I say this not just because I was thinking the exact same thing, but I was thinking the exact same thing. And this is like the third or fourth time this has happened, Dennis, where a Tribune columnist snuck into my brain and stole my idea. Or is it possible that two people could be having the same idea at the same time? I don't know. It's really starting to irritate me. All right. Uh, we, I talked about this last week with Rex Hupke, and uh, now Eric Zorn comes sneaking in my brain. I wouldn't mind it so much, D, if uh, Eric didn't leave behind his Cheetos bag in my brain. Okay. What a thought that is. Uh, anyway, it is an I excellent love Cheetos. Column, but- What's Eric loves Cheetos and you know he was eating them in my brain. Mm. What a thought that is. Uh, excellent column by Eric Zorn, the unpardonable reach of the presidential pardon power needs limit. And um, 
he took it actually in a direction I hadn't thought of. I got to give him a lot of credit for that. The opening is uh, we were eye to eye because it is clear. Well, I'll just read you what he said. Give him credit. Uh, NFL Hall of Fame Bears linebacker Brian Urlacher, Brian Urlacher still knows how the game is played. Last February, four days after his younger brother, Casey Urlacher, was indicted by federal prosecutors for acting as a recruiter and a bagman for illegal sports gambling ring in Chicago area, in the Chicago area, Brian Urlacher began donating to Trump's campaign. Yes. He started donating to the campaign, sucking up to Trump, saying nice things about Trump. Put that picture on his Twitter of him in the White House. Oh, I love Donald Trump. He took this the page right out of the Blago playbook. The key to getting Donald Trump to do what you want to do is to suck up to him. And so uh, I had the same thought, uh, Eric Zorn, uh, that that was exactly what Brian Urlacher was doing. So I don't know, maybe I could be a little more forgiving uh, to number 54 from the Chicago Bears, you know, like, well, maybe he isn't like a believer in white supremacy or maybe he isn't uh, a MAGA hat wearer, you know, maybe he was just doing it for the most pragmatic of reasons to get his brother out of trouble. I don't know. But uh, by the way, I, I will close uh, with this, uh, something that Eric recommended. He took it in a whole different uh direction that I had thought through. Uh, He was talking about some of the things that you might do to limit presidents in the future from pardoning uh, just their supporters, their campaign donors, their cronies, their pals uh, who are subverting justice with the pardon. And uh, Eric's uh, final, he closes with this paragraph, my favorite idea, and the very least we should do is adding a prohibition on pardons and uh, commutations that begins one month before presidential elections and extends until the president is officially reelected or the next administration begins. This would eliminate the obscenity that is the lame duck pardon and allow voters a chance to register their disgust when, for example, uh, some famous jock flatters his shallow president into bestowing favors upon his allegedly crooked brother. I don't even think the Casey Urlacher pardon was the worst of the bunch uh, that uh, Trump uh, the pardons he did right before he left office. I would say that goes to Steve Bannon. Uh, big uh, middle finger in the air to absolutely everybody. Uh, Bannon gets away with it. And uh, But uh, anyway, great column. And yeah, that makes a p- perfect sense. Uh, if you you force the president to make the pardon while he's running for re-election, you know, maybe he won't make the pardon because he knows it'll work against him. And then uh, once the election's over and he's been uh, defeated, well, uh, just don't allow him to make any pardons. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Good idea uh, from Eric Zorn. But reading about Brian Urlacher and uh, the way he was stroking to Donnie and uh, has emerged uh, as a favorite in Illinois, I decided to come up with my top 10 list for MAGA in Illinois. Uh, and... Uh, you know, we did. A, we had a pre-show production meeting about um, uh, our crack uh, audio staff and how we were going to plan this uh, when we. We did not uh, have a meeting. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is my way of saying uh, we don't really have any audio uh, gimmicks for this. Although I'll do my best to come up with them as I do. Um, so here we go. By the way, I have to say something. Can I let the cat out of the bag, Dave? Oh, getting started early with those sound effects, huh? <laughs> Uh, the reader, God bless the reader, has decided to nominate uh, our lovely little podcast for an award and a podcast. And I'm so excited about it. I've been in in this business for so many years. This is just, I wasn't planning to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've been in this business for so many years and it's really nice to win journalism awards. I've won uh, several of them down through the years, but I get kind of like uh, jaded about uh, journalism awards. No, you? As I older, I, I Jaded? Yeah, journal every year. They go, but I never won a podcasting award. And this is, so like we're really struggling. At least I am. I'm thinking a lot, probably too much about, more about this than I should. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but hey, that's good yeah. though. That's good. Yeah, and I'm like, which one, what should we, should we submit? And I, uh, Kenny Davis, uh, who was on the show yesterday, I was, I was questioning him and his wife, Linda, 
who uh, listen to the show and are always giving me uh, good feedback, positive feedback, and also, you know, like what you can do better type feedback, you know, what they thought uh, I should submit. And um, it's, I'm still overwhelmed by it because it's like the thing is that we're, we really are a low budget operation. I mean, I just got to put that out there. Dan. I'm like, what? Who am I kidding? You know, it's the two of us. Yeah. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking at the other guy and me. OK, he's in his apartment. I'm in my attic, literally looking at a porta potty. We have so you know, like I could just imagine all these other podcasts. I get that smooth sound. You know what I mean? They get, there's there's no train roaring by. Whenever they do an interview, oh, remember Eric Zorn? Speaking of which, it, oh Ben, you gotta really uh, improve the quality of your interviews. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, but he was right actually. So you know, we I struggle with this deal. Like which interview should i submit and will it matter if the sound calls you know what the hell with it i can't worry about it d so uh i'm probably going to uh just close my eyes and uh i'll call up all the shows under my screen i'll close my eyes and just put my finger on uh the screen and whatever show i touch will be the one i submit huh i like that system (laughs) we could try that yeah, you know, I mean, because really, what difference does it make? They're either going to like the sound with the train roaring by, or they're not. I think, I, I mean, the song of the day should have them hooked, just saying. Oh, my God. Uh, could we edit out the song of the day? Can you imagine the judges? Like, what is this? Uh, no, we cannot. We cannot. Any show that begins with, baby, won't you call me the moment. You get come on, and that not Digo. Will you do that for me? Will you do that for me? Oh my God! It's the sweet inspirations in the studio with me. Anyway, went on that tangent. So this is my way of saying I have no uh, great uh, sound effects for this one. So I'll just make mine up as I come up with my top nine. Wait, Illinois ten or nine? Uh, it's it's only nine. (laughs) You said ten earlier. Oh my God! Please don't tell. The podcast award people that this happened. Oh, I wanted to, <laughs> you wanted to do oh, give us number nine. Number nine. Don't tell the award people. Okay. Whatever you do, I miscounted. Hey, it can happen to anyone. So what was it again? The number nine. <laughs> we got to go with Brian Urlacher. Number 54 for the Chicago Bears, sucked up to Trump, call out love to Kyle Rittenhouse. My pickle crossover votes from Democrats who love the Bears. Number nine, Brian Urlacher. Number eight. Number eight. eight. (laughs) Wait, wasn't that from our show on the the 10 biggest stories of the year. Yes, I think it was. Kyle Rittenhouse, got to go with Kyle. Crossed state lines and shot some uh, Antifa protesters. Claims it was self-defense. Was drinking in a bar, flashing Proud Boy signs. Man, what's not for Maggie to love about that, huh? I would say Kyle is number eight on the top 10 list. Really top nine list for MAGA. Number seven, you got to go with Blago. Rob Lagojevich used to be a Democrat. Uh, (laughs) Now he's a Trumpocrat. Now he's a Trumpocrat. Oh, my goodness. Put me to work. To, can we have a meeting about these things? <laughs> now he's a Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat. That's right. Lord. Uh, yes, now he's a Trumpocrat. He's still singing Trump's praise. Last I looked, like about a couple days ago, there was some incredible quote uh, <laughs> where uh, Blago was saying Trump should get an award or a medal. Or Biden should give Trump a medal or something. And I was like, why would he do that? And I thought, why is he still sucking up to Trump? He's out of prison. He doesn't need Trump anymore. And I thought, oh, maybe he's looking for a full pardon so he could uh, run for office again. Maybe that's what he's looking So we'll see if Blago is still praising Trump uh, as the year goes on, D. But right now. They love them in the Republican Party here in Illinois. Number seven. Number six, Mary Miller, the newly elected congresswoman from the 15th Congressional District downstate. Best known for her comment, and I'm quoting, Hitler was right. Those are three words you're not supposed to say, but she said them anyway. 
uh, and then took her all sweet time uh, with a non-apology apology. apology. Uh, And I got to tell you, folks, I hate to say this. It's very alarming, but based on the number of times that MAGA people and MAGA demonstration have flashed signs with uh, the swastika or with uh, Nazi slogans, I'm starting to see there may be a soft spot. I don't know for uh, Nazis in the heart of MAGA. So Mary Miller, newly elected congresswoman for the 15th, is number six, and of course number five, a Dennis's personal favorite, number Phyllis. five. Yes, now Phyllis. She's money. a sleeper. Uh, <laughs> she defeated the fair tax, but she's been quiet lately. So she's been so quiet. You pretend to overlook her. I don't overlook her. Maybe she'll run for governor. D huh? fellas for governor. Number four, Jeannie Ives, nutty as they come. Yes. She's been defeated in her last uh, two campaigns, uh, but she was a nutty conservative before Trump made it fashionable. And so she's always going to be a force in the Republican party. And number three, of course, is Jim Oberweiss. And he uh, lost to Lauren Underwood, but still hasn't conceded, even though, as I mentioned, he lost, which is straight out of the Trump playbook. Plus, he's rich and he can fund his own campaign. Number two, Johnny Catanzara, the president of the Fraternal Auto Police right here in Chicago, defended the insurrectionists, even though they whacked one cop over the head with a hockey stick and bashed another with a fire extinguisher. Then he sort of apologized, but not really. And he's still fighting Lori Lightfoot. And definitely he's the most popular MAGA personality in the city of Chicago. If downstate MAGA ever makes good on its effort, to break off for Chicago and create a separate state, they'll probably draw a circle around wherever Cat and Sarah lives in the city of Chicago just to keep them in the new MAGA state. And number one. Number one. Yes, number one. Who else? The big guys, State Senator Darren Bailey. Mr. I don't wear a mask and I'm not going to wear a mask. He, he's such a badass. He's not. He, he's more extreme than Cat and Sarah. When Ken Zara had to confront the insurrection, he said, well, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Darren Bailey's like, ah, ah I think it was Antifa. Are you questioning? Maybe it wasn't MAGA. So he has, he's number one. He'll remain number one. I think he's the most popular guy uh, among the MAGA Legion in the state of Illinois. And noticeably uh, not on the list is anybody who resembles anything like a moderate Republican, which just goes to show you how lost the Republican Party is. We got a great show today, everybody. Ramana Hussein will be here, uh, and we'll be catching up on all the uh, political talk of the week, uh, cultural talk, her recommendations, all kinds of good things with Ramana Hussein. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor with the news. What's going on, everybody? Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the fourth and final time this week, guys, we need to talk about this weekend's Benny J bonus interview lineup available at chicagoreader.com and wherever you download podcasts. Here's this weekend's lineup. First up, Saturday. Have we ever had him on the show before? Gregory Pratt of the Chicago Tribune. Is this his first time on the Ben Jarofsky show? Yes be making his debut uh, it's uh, really happy to have him on and um, we'll be talking politics I mean he's city hall reporter knows a lot about politics spending a lot of time talking about union issues uh, he I think he's the I think his title is president of the uh, of the union over at the Tribune uh, I think that's pretty much what his title is. Uh, so we'll be talking politics union issues all kinds of good things with uh, Gregory Pratt that interview will happen later today so I can't tell you exactly what we said, D, unless I look into my crystal ball. It's going to be coming up. It's going to be available for download by 5 a.m. on Saturday. Listen to two journalists geek out. I can guarantee you that's going to happen. All right. On to Sunday. Sunday activist and journalist Sue Anaveros will be uh, available for download by 5 a.m. on Sunday. Ben, you talked with her yesterday. Uh, tell us a little more about uh, your interview with her. Well, uh, Sue Anaveros, uh, folks may remember her. She wrote a column for the Sun-Times, uh, and she's probably uh, as lefty as I am. Uh, and she's leading, uh, helping lead the charge, I should say, uh, to save the High Ridge Y uh, on the north side of Chicago. For many, many years, I did stories like this uh, for the reader, neighborhood news stories, trying to understand and decipher uh, why people in Chicago do some of them. I don't know. I'm trying to, what's the right word? Uh, 
counterproductive things that they do. Closing a Y uh, is with a swimming pool and a gym in a neighborhood that really needs it. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Uh, so we spent some time talking about local issues and then we brought in the national. And I always thought there's a connection between the local and the national because Chicago is a city, D, where, you know, by and large, when it comes to presidential elections, uh, but 85% will vote for the Democrat, 80 to 85%, something like that. So it's like, oh, wow, it's a liberal city. And yet, when it comes to local issues, so many times the people who run this city act like Republicans. You know what I'm saying? They act like they got little raisin-sized hearts, no compassion for anybody. I know. You say, oh, Ben, that's so unfair to say that about Republicans. I know that's what you're thinking, Dave. I can read your mind. And maybe it is a little unfair. I'm sure there's some compassionate Republicans. But by and large, when you put a bunch, bunch of Republicans in a room and get them talking about, I don't know, how they could use the enormous resources that they have available to help people, they suddenly get really selfish and their heart shrinks. <laughs> So uh, we'll be connecting the local and the national a wide-ranging interview with Sue Adaveros. That'll be available Sunday by 5 a.m. And finally, on Monday, the long-awaited return of the director of the Black Harvest Film Festival, the one, the only, Mr. Sergio Mims. Ben, give everybody a little sneak preview of our interview with Sergio. Well, it's a it's movie talk, talk with uh, Sergio, and we break down uh, One Night in Miami uh, and Sylvie's Love. Uh, and there's some spoilers alerts. I have to, uh, to tell you that we're going to, you know, if you haven't seen the movies, maybe you should listen to this interview afterwards. Uh, but uh, Sergio and I were both excited uh, about both of these movies. I think one night, uh, will, they, will one night in Miami win the Oscar? I think it should win the Oscar for best picture. Are they even, ha- they're having Academy Awards this year, aren't they? they Suddenly, you know, like in the pandemic. Yeah, that's like the, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is up on my list of things to check on during a pandemic. <laughs> oh, what about those Academy Awards? <laughs> it just occurred to me. They're going to have them, aren't they? Uh, so uh, it's two geeks talking movies. And then, of course, it's Sergio. So he has to weigh in with, uh, some of his uh, political views. So it's a pretty funny political conversation as well. All right. It's this weekend's Benny J bonus interview lineup. Saturday morning, Gregory Pratt, Sunday morning, activist and journalist, Sue Anaveros and Monday, Sergio Mims will be back on Tuesday with a new live show. Uh, go download them at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download podcasts, subscribe, give us a review five stars only. All right. Local news. Let's do it. No public event scheduled for Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. So, Let's continue our coverage on her current tussle with the teachers and the Chicago Teachers Union. So remember, everybody, the mayor and the Chicago public schools team really want the teachers to return to the classroom at what could possibly be the tail end of the pandemic. Vaccines are making their way around and we are starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But the teachers union is like, you know, based on all these books we read for a living, I don't think it's smart to go back quite yet. Uh, Maybe, I don't know, wait it out unless you provide us with uh, assurance that these schools are as safe as possible when we return. And the CPS has been like, huh, what are you talking about? It's safe. Trust us. Get back to the classroom. About sums it up, right, Ben? That is actually a very good (laughs) uh, analysis that is that, that that like yes that's exactly what's going yeah trust us get back to the classroom exactly and the other teachers union are like oh, i don't think so go ahead and that was great i gotta give you credit so now we are to today's news the following comes from the chicago sun times and no not nadir isa it's sophie sherry some charter schools teachers agree on reopening plans ctu wonders why cps cannot do the same. Some charter schools have postponed reopening and others are working virtually until a full agreement is reached. Teachers working for some charter school operators have reached agreements about reopening schools while the Chicago Teachers Union continues to negotiate with Chicago public schools. Charter operators passages 
Esserol and Latino youth are moving ahead on schedules different from Chicago public schools, some postponing reopening plans altogether, and others working virtually until a full agreement is reached. Passage Charter School and the union agreed the school's reopening plan would follow the Department of Public Health's metrics and will only consider reopening if metrics such as test positivity rates are at a minimum in the areas students live. Charter Passage's teacher Ann Stella Taylor said, quote, we stood together and we said that we would only go back if these things were met. And our employer agreed because there's a sense of humanity and understanding that we all need to protect the people that we work with and the communities that we serve. But unlike the charter school teachers, our educators at the Chicago Teachers Union have still not worked out a deal with Mayor Lightfoot and her Chicago Public Schools team. And CTU Vice President Stacey Davis Gates has a theory. Here's the quote from SDG on the charter school deal. Quote, they've been able to get agreements based on safety and humanity. The demands are very similar, if not the same. The only block in this, the only person choosing a lockout of educators is the mayor in the Chicago public schools. Meanwhile, the following comes from the Sun-Times. And ah, there he is, Chicago school beat reporter Nadir Issa. (laughs) The weekend's almost here, but hang in there. The headline reads, CPS to administer coronavirus vaccine beginning in mid-February. Chicago Public Schools will begin vaccinating its teachers in mid-February. Officials announced Friday as they head into a weekend of uncertainty with thousands of teachers preparing to defy orders to return to classrooms next week. CPS expects to receive its own supply of vaccine next month and will start offering inoculations to its teachers at four sites across the city. Here's the quote this morning from CPS Chief of Staff Janice Jackson, quote, There is nothing we want more than to get the shots in the arms of our dedicated staff. If we could vaccinate everyone today, we would do it. But with supplies being limited, our plan to distribute vaccines will need to take into account several factors. The district will prioritize workers who have been reporting to schools since the start of the pandemic, such as security guards, cafeteria workers and clerks. Staff over 65 and with high risk medical conditions will also be given priority. Let's pause it there. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts. All right. There's so many thoughts I have. I just want to ask you a quick question. Are we going to come back to uh, this story when I'm done or should I just let it go? Let her rip. All right. Many thoughts. Uh, I was taking notes uh, as you went on that riff, uh, D. Uh, we will be talking about this conflict for a while, folks. Um, it, it's like a parable to a larger struggle uh, in Chicago. One that has really nothing to do, uh, well, I shouldn't say nothing to do with education. One which is like larger than education. It's sort of the the larger ongoing struggle between uh, what? Lefties, progressives, I don't know what they're called anymore. They've lost track of what to call it because everybody says they're progressive. So how do you distinguish between like a centrist progressive and a lefty progressive? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't even like saying the word progressive anymore because it's it's been so diluted. So many people have claimed it as their title and then they don't act very progressive. So I guess it's replaced liberal. I had this conversation uh, with Ramana a couple of weeks ago where she was like liberal lefty. What's the difference? Well, there's a pretty big difference uh, in my mind anyway. Uh, lefty is more like what a Bernie Sanders is, you know, okay. Uh, liberal or progressive is more like where Lori Lightfoot is. And you could see there's a wide gap between the two and they're both Democrats. So anyway, obviously Kenny Davis was pointing this out yesterday in the interview, obviously uh, that this, this fight over reopening the schools uh, is just symbolic of a larger political struggle between Lori Lightfoot and the centrists uh, in Chicago and the lefties and the Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, and that is clearly like the larger context of this fight. And you could see that in the positions that various people in Chicago are taking on the issue. Then there is a very immediate concern of employees at the public schools. And this has nothing to do with politics, health concerns. And I can't emphasize this enough. It's like a lot of teachers are afraid about going into that classroom. And I don't blame them. I'm afraid of this virus as much as they are. 
particularly at my age. I look like uh, I saw this last night. Dave Chappelle. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see this? That Dave Chappelle tested positive. He's going to do a show in Austin, Texas with Joe Rogan. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, they were going to do a comedy show in Austin, Texas. He, he tested positive. Immediately, it was like, please don't take Dave Chappelle. I love Dave Chappelle. Got some, you know, I don't laugh at every one of his jokes, but I really just love him for his spirit and uh, the way his mind works and the way he's unafraid to take challenging issues and pull them apart and then make fun of himself at the same time. Anyway, the point is, it's a scary thing. When I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, I hope Dave Chappelle is okay. And it's just across the board, we've all been conditioned to be fearful, not all of us. Maggot seems to be oblivious to it. So the 50% of the pop, the country that is Democrat is very concerned about uh, the, the virus. So why are the leaders of Chicago so indifferent to the concern that teachers have for going back in the classroom? Why that hostility? Why that inability to see it? And you know the answer? Because it's part of a larger context. And the powers that be in this city do not in any way want to honor teachers or give credibility to their views, particularly if teachers are expressing those views through their union. So even it's something that the powers that be can show concern for, they don't want to show concern for. They have to minimize them. They have to say, oh, it's all political. Oh, Stacey Davis Gates is just doing this because she's mad at Lori Lightfoot. Oh, Jesse Sharkey is just doing this because he's a lefty, you know, and he just wants to turn everything into a great margin crusade. Just want to minimize, no matter what it is that teachers raise, too much testing. Oh, they're just afraid of the results. You know, they, they're concerned that you will expose how bad they are as teachers. You know, not enough nurses. Oh, they just want jobs for their union. No matter what it is that teachers ask for or demand, it's always minimized and turned into some triviality by the powers that be. I've noticed this, guys. And I realize when I say this, when, like I'm an extremist in Chicago media. I can't think of any. I look at this just on a day-to-day basis. I read the editorial pages of both downtown newspapers. And I keep follow cranes from afar. Never once have I seen anything resembling like uh a column or an editorial. Well, maybe not never once. That's an extreme thing. There are a couple, but by and large, the voices are so hostile to teachers. And today is no example. I mean, it's no, it's no exception, but sometimes weighs in. Now they manage not to insult the teachers. You know, I give them credit for that. They showed some restraint, but teachers vote no on a strike. It's the whole issue of whether the teachers union should uh, vote not to uh, go back to school if compelled uh, just to do uh, virtual learning. Vote no. And they take apart the the, um, the arguments raised by the teachers as to why they're concerned. Don't really show much uh, sympathy for them. But that, 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 that editorial is relatively generous to, to teachers compared to the Tribune. They threw in senior attorney at Liberty Justice Center, Jeffrey Schwab is his name, which won the Janus versus AFSCME U.S. Supreme Court. This is a lawyer who goes to court to try to destroy unions. That's what the Janus case was about. We talked about Janus case for so long, so many times in the show in 2019. I will not re- relitigate it. That's who the Tribune puts on? That's who they put out there? A lawyer who's dedicated much of his practice to destroying unions. See what I'm saying? It's part of a larger context. It's not like, oh, let's worry about teachers. We're concerned about, no. 
They just want teachers to do as they're told. And the teachers through the union are saying, we're not going to do as they're told. This is a, this fight's gone on for 10 years, D. Now I just I had a smile when I heard you uh, quoting the teachers union, uh, speaking nice words about charter schools. <laughs> and I said this many years ago, when the charters first were emerging uh, in Chicago as a force, my lens has always been the city of Chicago. So it was happening nationwide, but I was taking a look at it exclusively in Chicago. And I noticed politically how it played out. Couldn't help but notice that the same voices and institutions that were so critical of the Chicago Teachers Union were the ones championing charters. I go, well, why is that? Because the charters are non-union. So I said, you know what? I got nothing against a charter just by virtue of it being a charter, but I do object to the way in which the Republican Party and the right wing uses charters to destroy collective bargaining rights of teachers and undercut the profession of teachers. Because the more charters you create, the more non-union charters you create, the lesser overall you'll pay teachers. And the more you'll undercut the power of the unions. Seemed pretty obvious to me. It was a political move by Republicans and the powers that be. So then what happened is that the teachers union began to organize some of these charters. And now, now we have this moment, D, which I couldn't have predicted 10 years ago. You just read it, where the teachers union is saying nice things about charter schools and charter schools are working with the teachers union as like a bottle example of how the system should work with its teachers union. I haven't read one word about it. <laughs> I haven't read one word about it uh, in the Tribune, which for years, when the teachers went on strike in 2012, I remember the charter school operators had a press conference. Well, our schools are still open. You know, definitely trying to undercut the strike. So it's interesting how the politics change, uh, but just ex- underscores the point I'm making, that there's a larger fight going on here that's in this particular case exacerbated by legitimate concerns that teachers have. Now, D, you, you alluded to Nader's uh, article in today's Bright One, and I read that thing very carefully, and I underlined stuff, and I circled stuff. He broke down, did a really good job, in my humble opinion, uh, broke down what separates teachers, the uh, Chicago Teachers Union from Chicago Public Schools on the issue of whether teachers should go back to classroom. And basically, it came down to vaccines. Basically, that's what it came down to. I mean, when you put it all aside, if the teachers were vaccinated tomorrow, they'd go back to school tomorrow. That's my takeaway from the article. And guess what? I have not seen any attempt by the city of Chicago to really put teachers at the top of the list. You say the most important thing right now for the future of the children is to open up our schools. Why aren't teachers being vaccinated right now? Oh, well, we don't have the vaccines. Oh, there's always some issue. Why are we fighting like hell to get more vaccines in the state of Illinois, the city of Chicago? They seem to be fighting more with the teachers to get them back in the classroom than they are to get more vaccines. So how, when is a legitimate, realistic moment when we can say, yes, teachers will be vaccinated across the board? I don't know the answer to that question, D. I do know this from what I've been hearing that vaccines, well, we're probably going to get into this in a little while, but vaccines, it's like the game of who gets the vaccines and who doesn't. It's like everything else in this town. It's who you know. Who's your clout? Who's your doctor? What hospital do you belong to? Where's your health care at? Doesn't seem to be connected in any real way to need. So, D, that's my view of it. It's very much just listening to you summarize the news it's like just substitute the fight over hiring more nurses uh versus for this it's just part of a larger struggle that's been going on for a long time in the city of chicago all right in other chicago news the city and cook county will move from tier two to tier one of governor jb pritzker's five-phase covid19 mitigation plan let's begin with phase one That is, as long as metrics continue to improve or are stable. 
Yes, it's true. Ready or not, customers will be allowed back inside restaurants and many bars in Chicago and suburban Cook County beginning Saturday, barring a sudden reversal in improving coronavirus infection rates. Tier 1 mitigations allow restaurants and bars that serve food to seat customers inside at the lesser of 25% capacity or 25 people per room. Bars that don't serve food still are not allowed to invite patrons inside. Pritzker's office has cited studies suggesting indoor establishments are viral super spreading sites. Ben, what do you think here? And where should I make our reservations this weekend? <laughs> Gee, um, like I said, I'm really scared, uh, very cautious about uh, the virus. Do not want to get this thing. Uh, my I, cap, a shout out to cap, my dear friend, still uh, feeling the effects. I think it's like, it's about almost four weeks, three weeks with it. My camera, I've lost track of time. Uh, so it hits people obviously harder than it hits uh, some people. And um, I'm not ready, D, to go back into a bar or restaurant. What about you? Are you ready to go back into a bar or restaurant? No, I'll wait it out. Yeah, I'll wait it out. <laughs> and I know, listen, I know, uh, I'm speaking for myself, but I think Dennis could be on this list as well. We, we should not be nowhere near the front of the line to get the vaccine. Okay. Now I just, we're not essential workers. Okay. You know, as much as I think this is essential, this program, let's be honest, we're not essential workers. Uh, we could do our work from our homes. That's why I'm in the attic and he's in his apartment. Uh, so there's no need for us uh, to get the vaccine in order to keep essential businesses operating like, I don't know, a teacher or a bus driver or a nurse, et cetera. So they should be at the front of the line. We shouldn't. So, D, I'm, I'm, you know, I understand the pressure that Pritzker's under and uh, Lori Lightfoot's under. And I understand that so many livelihoods are at stake uh, and that we need to open up the economy sooner or later. But I'm not ready to go back uh, to a bar or restaurant. Just saying. And from what I've heard, man, the scam going on with these th vaccines, like I, some people are like, hey, call up this phone number. Tell them, you know, Billy Bob, tell them your doctor is Jimmy Joe and you'll get the vaccine. <laughs> like, and it's so Chicago. You got to know the right doctor, know the right person. That's so Chicago. I've been seeing like, I'm not throwing anyone under a bus, Dan. I'm not going to reveal any names. Just some friends reached out. Hey, you want the vaccine? I know the right guy. I'm like, no, I'm not going to get your bootleg vaccine <laughs> from your doctor friend. I got extra vaccines here in the uh, the back room here, like Dr. Nick or something like that. No, I'm not going to do it. I'll just wait till everybody else. I'll be like the guy at the, when you board a plane last day, I don't know if you're, I always like to be the last guy to board the plane. So let everybody else go first. And then I'll go just keep doing my show from the attic. You'll be in your apartment. And then sometime in what September, <laughs> you and I will be literally the last two people to get the vaccine. Well, just let me know if you want to change your mind and you want to go out to eat, we'll order something up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Grab a little bite. Oh, order up. There is that place around the corner from where you live, which I've always wanted to go to. You've talked about it uh, with the chicken wings. And I've always wanted oh, to yeah, go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never gone there. And my wife and I go, oh, let's go to that place. Dennis is always talking about with the chicken wings. They sound so good. And we never made it. And then the pandemic. <clears throat> I hope that place survives. Yeah, it's still there. Oh, God bless it. Lollipop chicken wings. So when this pandemic is over, I'm going right over to that's where we'll go. We'll have some chicken wings. Do they serve alcohol there? No. Oh. <laughs> we can bring alcohol. Like, what, are you looking to get oh, drunk and eat chicken alcohol. wings? Is that your plan? Yeah, that's the plan. Man, when, I get, when this thing's over, I'm getting drunk and eating chicken wings. All right. Well, that's specific. Which probably, you know, I've been doing that since the thing. Start just throwing that out there. <laughs> it's not like I haven't been able to have a chicken wing. Just... I've always wanted to go to that place. Get ready Dennis for talk. the latest Ben Jarofsky show uh, podcast special, uh, Getting Drunk and Eating Chicken Wings with Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> where he does that in yeah. interview with somebody. We're live here at Dennis's Chicken Wing Place on, I'm not going to give the ad. I think it's Lawrence, isn't it, on Lawrence? Yeah, on yeah. Lawrence Avenue. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, on to the statewide, uh, Lawrence and Spalding, I believe, maybe. All right, on to the statewide news. Today, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker delivered his rescheduled COVID-19 press briefing uh, with the announcement of bars and restaurants opening back up in a city of 3 million. Must be good news. I have the update, and yes, it is good news, but honestly, a little sick of talking about COVID. So we're going <laughs> to read this later, all right? We're going to okay. read a little later on. We do have other pressing political issues to discuss in the state of Illinois, but I guess now's a good time. Our host, Ben Jarofsky, is dying. We had a pre-show meeting here. He's dying to hear our newest weekly segment <laughs> A segment that, well, for some reason, he is hell-bent on featuring every Friday on our program. Me, personally, I think it would be the most boring thing I've ever heard. But, hey, what are you going to do? His name's on the banner, so we do what the boss says. So get ready, everyone. And by get ready, I mean please don't stop listening. It's time for This Week in Illinois Weather with, <laughs> with Illinois climatologist Trent Ford. From the Illinois State Water oh, Survey Lord. at the University of Illinois Prairie Research Institute, this is Illinois State climatologist Trent Ford. <laughs> Temperatures this last week stayed on the mild end, ranging from the high 20s in northern Illinois to the high 30s mm. in southern Illinois, three to eight degrees above average for this time of the year. Winter average temperatures so far have been between two and seven degrees above mm-hmm. average across the state. Mm-hmm. Noteworthy is a lack of very cold days. For example, Aurora has had only 11 days with a maximum temperature below freezing so far this Whoa. season, the 10th fewest on record okay. by this time of the season, and the fewest since 1953. Why do you like this? Precipitation from this last okay. week range from less than a tenth of an inch in southwest Illinois to over Ooh. half an inch. Later. Okay, I'm about to fall asleep. We can't, we got I didn't know that about Aurora. That's that's amazing. That's good stuff. Really good stuff. Ten days, right? Aurora. Something about Aurora in ten days. That's what I heard. Wow. Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you, Dennis, for um, don't thank me. Thank climatologist Trent Ford. Okay. <laughs> Segment stinks, man. <laughs> We got a sponsor for it. We're, we're trying to get a sponsor for it. Oh, know? wow. The, the chicken wing place in Lawrence, they want to sponsor the climatologist report. So, yeah, our crack team of uh, ad salesmen are working on that deal right now. Oh, goodness. All right, people, back to business. Let's talk about our new Illinois speaker, one Emmanuel Chris Welch. On Thursday, Welch announced his House Democratic leadership team. <laughs> Speaker Welch's House Democratic Leadership Team. Oh boy, and Welch announced a boatload of Illinois Democratic elected leaders who will be joining his team on Thursday. I thought it was every single one of them, but according to this piece we're about to read, <laughs> so people have issues with the selections that Chris Welch made. And I guess it's time for a quick round of Big Deal or No Big Deal, where I read a story and I ask Ben Jarofsky. Is this a big deal or or not? Really easy segment. All right. Uh, the following comes from the Daily Herald. New Illinois House Speaker Chris Welch's leadership team, which he announced Thursday, does not have enough suburban representation and includes too many Michael Madigan loyalists. This comes from Democratic State Rep Kathleen Willis of Addison. Ben, are you familiar with Kathleen Willis of Addison? Yeah, she was one of the people who was uh, running. She was a loyalist to Madigan. She was part of the speaker's team. Uh, and then it was big news when she broke from the speakers. Remember that? We talked about that on the show, D. Ah, there's so many names. I don't blame you for forgetting them. Huh? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Sarah Feigenholtz, that's who. That's right. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, it is, it is true. Uh, there's a lot of names, a lot of state reps, ladies, a whole bunch of them. Uh, so anyway, uh, she was part of the team. Uh, I cut you off there, D, but she was part of Madigan's team. You know, not that long ago, they were all part of Madigan, Madigan's team. So I don't know. I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like. There wasn't anybody who wasn't on Madigan's team. So anybody that Chris Welch picks for any kind of leadership position is on Madigan's team. I mean, I'm going to just break it to you. It's really hard to get elected if you're not on Madigan's team. That's part of the problem. All right, that's number one. Number two, even if you got elected and you weren't 
part of Madigan's team. Let's just take your favorite state rep, D. Will Gazzardi. Uh, you know, the hipster rep from Logan Square. I did warm up to him on the Madigan bus. You know, he was yeah. he was friendly. Excellent French, so, uh, excellent, excellent French press coffee he had. Yes, French. What Hackasack or whatever that game oh, is. Oh, Hacky Sack. Come on, man. <laughs> Acting like you weren't in the circle. Scott Hackasack. Uh, <laughs> Scott, Scott Hackasack. <laughs> Anyway, Will Gazzardi, if you recall, when he was first elected, he beat uh, Joe Barrios' daughter. So he was very much not a part of the Madigan team. But guess what happened, D? Once he got elected, Madigan called him and come here, big feller. What can I do for you? <laughs> Have an egg roll, Mr. Gazzardi. And, you know, slowly he became part of the uh, the Madigan team. I remember it was some uh, guy running, wanted to run against uh, Jamie Andrade. Uh, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was running as a lefty. He was, he was using Will Gazzardi's campaign as a model, and he was so irritated that Will Gazzardi didn't support him. I'm like, dude. Could it have been Harish Patel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know how the hell I knew that one, honestly. <sighs> I am in awe right now. How did that, where did that come from? Dude, I don't even know. I don't even dude, know. That was like the. Wow. Very impressive. You talk about me like uh, the 49th Ward Alderman before uh, was Joe Moore, blah, blah, blah. But that was really good. Yes. And it was, it was, it was like the reluctance of state reps who only f- four years or two years ago had been outspoken reformers and independents and let's take on the machine their reluctance suddenly well, <laughs> i'm not really uh, ready to go against the speaker <laughs> so that was part of the problem really once you got elected you kind of became part of madigan so i'm not really feeling that part of the criticism you know what i'm saying but there's too many madigan loyalists the only way to get around that is to name republicans to speaker positions or to house positions. And uh, I don't think that's a good idea. So I don't know. I can't take that criticism too seriously. Hey, they could have put you and me on there. Yeah. We're not Madigan loyalists. I mean, I'll put on pants. Sure. <laughs> You're not wearing pants now. I'm wearing like gym shorts. <laughs> oh. hmm. Did not know. Well, you know, you don't know. Uh, Cause I only see him from the neck up. So. Right. Right. Oh, that got that's weird, right. huh? That got weird. Yeah, that got weird fast. Let's just go back to <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen. Uh, Dee, let's take this out, uh, and then I'll submit this for that award. There you don't go. keep that in for the award, okay? <laughs> we'll have to go back and clean up the tapes. I'll take that out, put this in. Uh, let's change it so I'm sounding really serious. Yes, it's a very interesting comment you made about Michael Madigan. That award is ours. Oh my God, that award and all the other shows, they like sound so professional and everything. I want to win that award, D. I'm going to put it on my wall. Podcast award. Yes. Well, can we get two? What's that? Could we get two? I want one. (laughs) Your name is going to go in there. That's the producer. All right. Hey, WBEZ. It's it's like he was nominated for an award. Okay, okay? let's let's keep talking about the news. Talk about this award. BEZ, my resume's in that pile, guys. Come on, help a brother out. <laughs> it's in that big pile of resumes. Yeah. Hey, WBEZ, that name in that pile, he's up for an award. Yeah. He's up for a podcasting award. That's a big deal, WBEZ. All right, more on uh, the newest Chris Welch team. <laughs> Speaker Welch's House Democratic Leadership Team. team. Don't worry, the, that intro will probably be gone next week, all right? <laughs> but this team also does not include any of the women who ran for House Speaker. Willis Representative Stephanie Kifowit of Oswego and Representative Ann Williams of Chicago. Neither Willis nor Representative Fred Crespo 
a Democrat from Hoffman Estates, was retained by Welch in-house leadership. Suburban representation will include only representatives Natalie Manley of Joliet and Robin Gable of Evanston, plus Representative Deb Conroy of Villa Park in one of six new positions of caucus whip, which do not play leadership stipends. I'm sorry. Not a big story. I I can't get the words out. Oh, no big deal. You guys were part of the team that lost. And by the way, I praise you for taking a stand. You know, I mean... I was with, I'm with you. I've been losing my whole life. I'm about to lose this podcast award, okay? You don't hear me crying about it. Well, I probably will. We've gone from winning to losing in just in a matter of five minutes. All right. <laughs> so it's like you guys lost. When you lose, you don't win. I mean, it's like, it's kind of how it goes. You took a chance. You stuck your neck out. You did a service. You did a good deed. You know, I don't know what else to say. I'm with you. It's like, but he's giving it to the guys who are with him. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. That's kind of how it works, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, <sighs> listen, Time will heal all wounds. And in a couple of years, you know, you're, uh, you, you, those who are in the outs now could be on the ins. Look at Will Cazardi. When it started, he ran against Joe Barrios' daughter and defeated. Now he's, what is he, a whip? Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's a whip. Okay, so it doesn't get a stipend. Now they're like, like well, this job's better than that job. I don't know, guys, we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic, okay? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you had a problem. His name was Michael Joseph Madigan. He was exceedingly unpopular outside of Cook County. Wasn't that popular in Cook County either. Exceedingly unpopular outside of the city of Chicago. All right? Dennis will tell you. Yes, I will. Just our downstate guy. Anybody who's not in Chicago can tell you how unpopular Michael Madigan is. Somehow or other, doesn't register with people in Chicago. Oh, he's popular where I live. Well, there's this other part of the state of Illinois, which is not where you live. The rest of Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, Ramana Hussein has joined us, but we're not ready to bring her on the show. She's got a mask. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) I don't know where she is. We'll find out. But anyway, so... Dennis, I'm not really feeling this. You know, I just, I'm, I'm having a hard time feeling sorry for these legislators. They did a good thing by challenging Madigan and forcing the Democratic Party to, like, move ahead a little bit, cut the cord, but they lost. I don't know. It's like, to the, you know... Don't know what to say, D. You lose. It's they don't. It's not like in uh, you know swimming at the Y where everybody gets a ribbon. You know what I'm saying, D? Like even if you finish 12th place out of 12 swimmers, that would give you a ribbon anyway. <laughs> I got a bunch of those ribbons still in the attic. So there, anyway, so there you are. That is our local news. Remember, you can. Fo- oh, Ben's holding up the sign. Okay, yes, I'll finish the Trent ref- Trent Ford weather report. Center are leaning into our oh, ongoing La Nina conditions, showing elevated odds of above normal precipitation okay. for the entirety of February and the three month period of February through April. Ooh. Odds are also strongest for warmer than normal conditions to persir- persist Why do you over like this time this period. Segment? <laughs> the most recent Enso outlook show highest odds for La Nina persisting through climatological spring, with Whoa. likely transition to Enso neutral conditions in early summer. Climatological. That's a hard word to say. Climatological. Say that ten times. Climatological. <laughs> huh? That's a great segment. Keep that in. We're gonna. Uh, we'll have a sponsor next week. The chicken place with the lollipops. My lord, and, he uh, loves that boring weather segment. But that is our local news. Remember, you can follow us at Benny J Show. B E N N Y. The letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email. Benny J Show at gmail.com. Uh, if you want us to read your message on the show leave your name and where you're from very very helpful also you can call the ben Jarofsky show it's true 
708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Leave us a voicemail. There's a good chance we will play that voicemail on the program. Uh, Doogie, if you're listening on the live stream chat, dude, we played your voicemail two days ago. The one day you weren't listening, I think we played... Your voicemail. Funny how that works, huh? Leave us another one, and hopefully you'll be listening when we play that one. All right, let's do a quick check with Romana. Last week we had some issues. Romana, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Boom, we got you. Oh, my God, cool. that was awesome. And I can hear you guys, too. Excellent. We're yes. going to take a quick break, and when we come back, the Romana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Romana Hussein. Absolutely no commentary. There's nothing to be said. From the Illinois State Water Survey at the University of Illinois Prairie Research Institute, this is Illinois State Climatologist Trent Ford. Temperatures this last week stayed in the mild end, ranging from the high 20s in northern Illinois. Let's begin with. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. 